Welcome to the Bruins Brenda's Podcast, Season 2, Episode 11, The Butch is Back with Maddie and Smitty, brought to you on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL and PHF news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink and download the Inside the Rink app to get everything on the website right on your phone. And Smitty has some info about a new partnership with ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, the Bruins will be on ESPN Plus from time to time this season, and you can watch them by signing up for ESPN Plus at on the rink, InsideTheRink.com website. Not only do you get the most out-of-market hockey games, you get many other sports, including college basketball, college hockey, college football bowl season, and more. So sign up for ESPN Plus at InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN. Again, that is ESPN Plus by signing up at InsideTheRink.com dot com slash ESPN. And we are pleased to have a special guest today. Mariner, Maine Mariners head coach Terrence Wallen joins us. And Coach Wallen, really good to have you on the pod today. Yeah, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. It's, uh, uh, it's always nice to talk hockey. Absolutely. And, uh, and we're glad to have you. And my first question, you know, the Maine Mariners are back in Portland. Uh, they used to be the AHL affiliate back when we were kids, Smitty. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of good Bruins came out of that. Uh, and then, of course, Portland Pirates for many years. Just want you to talk about how the, the, the community and the city of Portland, you know, receives uh, the Maine Mariners. Yeah, I think early on uh, when I was playing here, so 1819 was the year we came back, and I was traded here that summer. Um, so both the years that I was playing, it felt like almost like a feeling out process in a way. Um, hockey was back. Um, but then COVID hit and it felt like people were kind of sick of sitting inside and people were craving some hockey. So last year our crowds were really good and, and you feel the, you feel the crowd start to increase once football starts, but then we come back this year, um, and our crowds have been great right off the start. I think we're averaging over 3,200 fans a night, which in our league is pretty solid. That's probably in the, in the middle half, middle portion of the league. So, um, it's just continuing to grow. And I, I think that with, our push with youth hockey has been really big. So I think with the youth hockey stuff, our crowds are just going to continue to grow. You know, in the ECHL, you know, you you mentioned it's, you know, really good hockey, but also, you know, you can see some, some entertainment value there. You can see some, you know, some fights and some physical hockey and, and so forth. As a coach, how do you feel about teammates, you know, sticking up for each other? Are Are there such thing as good penalties? And, you know, when it comes to protecting teammates, is that something as a coach that you talk about as a team? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody talks about how the game is changing and how it's getting softer, if you will. Um, I don't know that it's getting softer. I think it's just getting smarter and faster. Um, And and while people do love to see the fights and there's still a place in the game for it, I think that like the speed and the skill is so high. And I think you you plop any one of our guys into the AHL um, and they can play a part in the AHL. And um, at the same time, though, I, I do think the best teams that win and win championships in this league and in any league um, are hard to play against, and they stick up for each other, and they kind of have that uh, family-slash-brotherhood mentality. Well, that's that's uh, a way the way that it should be, uh, I think, and the way that we've seen it done uh, you know, in years past. Um, with the Mariners' affiliation with the Bruins, um, have you heard from the coaches of the front office about the type of system they want you to play? Like, do you, have you had any, um, you know, encounters with them? And and do you play a similar system to what the Bruins do? Uh, we do play similar styles to the Bruins. I think that the the first thing 
for me, it's a developmental league in the ECHL. And for us, if we have Providence guys down here, you want that transition to be as seamless as possible when the guys get called up. So uh, we do play a lot of s- similar systems. I think the big ones are how we defend the rush in our D zone. <clears throat> Those are probably the two big ones. And then I think offensively the skill kind of takes over for the guys. and They're all fast, smart, and skilled enough where they can create their own plays. Obviously, you give them – some pointers and some guidelines here and there, but offensively I like my guys to play free. Um, and then in the summer, even two summers ago when Ben Gitte was our head coach and I was assistant, uh, we, we were in pretty good contact with Providence. Uh, we would go to the Boston Bruins development camp. We would, we would kind of dip our toe here and there just, just to almost hear what uh, the coaches and, and the staffs were all talking about so that we could all be on the same page. And I think that that has helped a lot. Uh, in making this a really good affiliation. Now, you mentioned being developmental. Is there a balance there between developing guys and then trying to win games? Is that is that <laughs> is the focus to, to win games at the end of the day, or, or are you really just trying to prepare some guys and trying to develop them so they can progress and maybe get to the next level? Yeah, it's a fine line. I was actually yeah. talking with somebody about this the other day, and I think first and foremost, this needs to be a developmental league. Um, but if you're developing players, that kind of coincides with are you winning? Um, mm. If your players are developing, you're, you're kind of starting to see that growth in a, in a team. And I think the one thing for me, I'm a, I'm a pretty young and, and new head coach. For me, I'm always going to be process-driven, not results-driven. So if we keep drilling the right things in the guys' heads and, and are helping them develop and helping them do the right things and not just on the ice, kind of taking care of their bodies, how uh, sleep affects them, the mental health portion of the game. I think if we're continuing to drive that stuff and stuff starts to click in guys' heads, then you start to see development. Then you start to see wins. And I think it all kind of, uh, it all kind of meshes together. So being a young coach, only a, a few, few years removed from playing yourself, do you find it easy to relate to players and kind of understand what motivates them and, and to be able to get the most out of them? I do. I think that's, I th- think that's kind of why you're seeing the wave of a young coach in the ECHL. Um, we've already talked about it a lot. It's a developmental league, and it's a developmental league from a player standpoint. It's a developmental league from a referee standpoint. And at the end of the day, it has to be a developmental league for the coaches. And you're seeing a, a new young wave, and it's it's kind of funny. Two of my uh, high school teammates at the Gunnery are head coaches in this league as well, and we're all 30 and 31 years old. So um, for us, I think the big the big thing is that we can um, like be in these guys' shoes. It's easy for us to to know when stuff's down in the dumps, when to push the guys, when to be easy, when to realize, hey, maybe they have to go have a beer with one another and maybe they need to just hang out. And and then there's times where, hey, maybe we do need to have a little harder skate, a little longer skate, and when to push on them that way. So, yeah, again, it's it's kind of a, a learning curve, but I love it. And uh, I, I don't think that there's any weirdness because I'm only 30 years old. I think guys kind of respect that and know that, me and my assistant have just gone through it. Now you mentioned the mental health portion of, of the game. I think, you know, as, as a society, obviously we're spending a lot of time focusing on it, but also in professional sports, I think there's a lot more attention to it. You know, how, I guess just talk about how you, I get how that has changed, I guess, since you've been coming up as a player and now as a coach is, is, is there more focus on it? Do you talk about it freely with players? Yeah, I talk about it constantly with guys. I think that 
Um, we had a good, I found a good quote the other day that said, you need to change your internal story for your external results to improve. And I think that's kind of, um, how you need to look at everything is you need to, you need to put good stuff into your head and you need to create confidence within yourself. And, um, we'll bring guys in every day, a couple guys in every single day to just talk about how they're doing away from the rink, see how family's doing. Um, I think that the mental health portion is, is crucial because all these guys are playing at this level for a reason. And that's because they're fast, they're skilled, they defend hard, they can score. Um, but what really kind of separates guys is when stuff gets down in the dumps, how do you react and how do you react to adversity? And um, I think it's a big portion to, um, why guys ha have success or don't have success in, in these types of leagues. So as a, um, um, uh, who were some of your influences or guys you looked up to as a, as a player and now, uh, into, as you're into coaching? Oh, that's a good one. Um, growing up, I, I, you guys might not like to hear this, but I grew up in Philly. So I was a Flyers fan. Okay. Um, okay. I was, I was like, uh, John LeClaire. I wore 10 oh, yeah. growing up. Oh yeah. And then, uh, honestly, when I was in high school, Danny Briere was kind of my guy. And um, it just so happens that when I got traded here, Danny was our president. So I've gotten right. to know Danny really well. And it's kind of funny looking up to a guy when you're 15 to 18 years old and then uh, eventually working under him. And he's kind of one of my big mentors now. I, I can go to him and talk to him constantly. But um, from a player standpoint, I always liked like when David Backus was at his best, that was mm -hmm. kind of the player I tried to mold myself after Jarrett Stoll. kind of that power forward type was kind of the, the type of game that I like to play. And then in coaching, I've had so many good coaches that it's hard to pinpoint one. So you kind of try and pluck and pull from each one and, and each coach has their pros and their cons. So you try to take what you, what you remember from each one and kind of put it into how you, you feel uh, you should attack the head coaching position. I will say, Coach, that we, uh, Smitty and I, played in a uh, adult floor hockey league. <laughs> we did. We were, nice. legion, we were the Legion of Doom. We were, All right. Nice. Uh, you might have been Michael Remberg. I was more oh, yeah. of a, uh, you know, John LeClaire. <laughs> you were not a John LeClaire. I was not, not, not even <laughs> by the least. Bit. Yeah. But, he's like 5'5". Uh, like like five, five. He can't be John LeClaire and be 5'5". Five, five. Sorry. No, 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 no. No. But I did go to Eric Lindros' first game at the Garden. You know, yeah. my mother bought me tickets, and I went in. First time he was at the Garden, because, you know, Lindros was huge at the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge. So, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, you know, you know, fond memories of those teams, yeah. even though we're Bruins fans. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, just talking about some of these promotions and things you do, when, when in fact, is Terrence Wallen bobblehead night? Tell me. Tell me oh, man. I don't know. I don't know that that one's coming. I don't know that yeah. they would get approval for me. It's an ugly mug to put on a ball. <laughs> right. Um, I think, uh, you know, Smitty can't do chuck -a puck He has this rotator cuff. Yeah, I do. I got, off, some, I got some issues. Uh, I've done some chuck -a puck in the past. I do, I do think that uh, if they did do the bobblehead, they'd have to do it with my three front teeth missing now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Wow. So you got to yeah. – so, you got to tell us the story how that happened. Right, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's funny. Um, you, you play all these games, and I played five years pro, and it ends up happening in a practice. No way. No, really? Yeah, so um, uh. we had just made – it's actually a good story, and me and my buddy actually made a podcast for we probably 20 or so episodes, and um, that was kind of like the start of the podcast was him knocking my teeth out and um, <laughs> it was right before Movember. So we were all growing mustaches okay. and it happened on November 1st 
Um, so it was always the joke that he was jealous of my mustache. So he had to knock my teeth out. Um, but it went from the top over to the flank and it was a one timer and he knocked me straight in the teeth. Um, my two front teeth popped out. The third one died and had to get pulled. So, um, it's been a long road and hopefully I can get some, uh, permanence put in here pretty soon no, they look really good I yeah it does no yeah I had no idea so so like, whoa it's so a little net front people. little net front presence huh you were yeah, in there just yeah, taking yeah. one for the team yeah. <laughs> in the paint. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. there you go <laughs> that's right yeah a frame in there yeah um and, and just one like west question about uh, curtis hall joined the team six games four goals uh, i was a bruins draft pick in 18 i just talk a little bit about the type of player hall is and what <laughs> you know what you think his chances may be that maybe get a, an NHL look someday. I mean, there's, there's a reason he's on, on an NHL deal. You can't teach six foot four, two twenty. Right. Sure. Um, and he's a smooth skating six foot four, uh, 220 pounds. And at his best, he's long, he's physical. Uh, he's moving his feet and he's honestly, um, at this level for sure, he's a play driver. And what I can consider a play driver is a guy who can like push the pace of games and create on his own. So at this level, he's doing that. I think at the next level, he's more of um, kind of that power forward type. He needs to use that body to create his own time and space. And um, that's something that it's not easy to do, and not everybody gets it. But if, if, if Halsey can really learn to use his size and get mm-hmm. to that net front and get to dirty areas, he has a chance of success not only in mm-hmm. Providence but in Boston too. He mm-hmm. just needs to find that hard uh, piece to his game, and he can mm-hmm. do it. And, and the Bruins could use some young center development. I mean, they, you know, with Bergeron leaving and Krejci leaving soon. And, you know, it's just, you know, the center position is something that I know that they've, you know, lost sleep over some probably for it going forward. And, um, you know, when those guys move on, they'll need to fill those positions. So we hope that that Hall can can move up and get a shot. Uh, Maine Mariners are home December 9th and 10th. And, hey, Friday night, December 9th is Pucks and Paws night. You can bring your furry friends. On uh, Friday night, Smitty, you don't Saturday have Friday night's friend. margarita night. So, oh, look at this! Yeah, margarita night. There's a double. Yeah, I'll bring my margarita. Yeah, I don't have a dog, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Margar- yeah, Margaritaville night is the uh, what a Margaritaville jerseys, yeah, an yeah. autograph session. So, oh, you're going whole, cool. going full nine yards there. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. You go, yeah, hey, he's a furry friend and then and then some drinks. Uh, <laughs> you can catch the Maine Mariners at marinersofmaine.com. Coach Wallen, really good to talk with you, buddy. Hope things go well for you guys, and we'll be keeping an eye out for you. And we'll, we'll come catch a game. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate right, it. Thanks, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, time for the Week in Review. And on December the 3rd, the Bruins took on the Colorado Avalanche, a 5-1 to one win for the Bees. Bees were engaged, aggressive, physical from the start. Pasta and Frederick, two goals apiece. Uh, Nick Foligno responds to a bad hit from England and really tombs him up big. Bruins are ready for this one. Jake DeBrus gets his 100th goal of his career after a disallowed goal earlier in the game. The Avs, big three, McKinnon, Rantanen, and Makara combined minus five with zero points. It was a really complete effort against the defending champs. It was. The Bruins, uh, I mean, the Avs are a little banged up, so you, I guess you t- 
take it with a grain of salt to a certain degree, but uh, the Bruins came to play in this one from the very beginning and, and uh, were ready to go from the start. Uh, got great effort from uh, you know everyone basically in the lineup and, and Pasta and Freddie both chipping in with a few goals. Jake gets his 100th. Um, after uh, you know, questionable one disallowed a little earlier in the game, um, but uh, yeah, the Bruins were were the better team from from the jump, and it showed uh, in the final score five one. Yeah, absolutely, it was a really good test for them, and they came out with flying colors on that one. And then on December fifth, the Butch is back. Yes, Vegas he is. Comes in. <laughs> Vegas comes in with Bruce Cassidy, who returns. They had a nice little montage for him, which I thought was nice. Nice little ovation for Bruce. And then the Bruins start really slowly, which I was really surprised about. They yeah. were down 3 nothing. Looked a little lack, lackadaisical, lackluster. Mm-hmm. You would think they would come out flying in that one, yeah. uh, but they did not. And Pasternak with a terrible turnover leading to the second goal by Vegas. Pasta had a big hit halfway through the second. It really got the crowd going, seemed to turn the tide in the game. And then the Bruins battle all the way back to tie it. Marchand, Pasternak, and Hall evened up the score. Uh, Thompson, uh, the goaltender for Vegas, was outstanding. 40 saves for Vegas. Went to the shootout. Riley Smith wins it in the fifth round. The former Bruin, good resilience from the Bees after being down three to nothing. They really are never out of a game, uh, especially the way with the way they are playing offensively. Uh, good road win for Vegas without uh, Jack Eichel and Alex Pietrangelo. Uh, the rematch comes up in Vegas on the uh, coming up on the 11th, uh, and it's maybe a, a Stanley Cup final preview. But that was, I'll tell you what, that is for an entertainment value. That wasn't really entertaining game to watch it was it was a really good hockey game uh with two really good teams uh that obviously play similar styles um you know the Bruins defensive system and the Aval and the Vegas system is you know identical basically with uh Mm. you know maybe a couple of tweaks from Montgomery to the Bruins system um so you know teams that are pretty familiar with each other pretty familiar with the coaching staffs and and uh, yeah, it was a great game. The you know if the Bruins had sided on time, I think they probably would have taken this one, uh, but they didn't. Um, so you know it, it is what it is, and the and their uh, their season starting unbeaten streak or win win streak at home you know comes to an end. Yeah, it does, and, it, and it's to the hands of Vegas, who's been good for much of the year. They they had struggled a little bit, well, not struggled, but not as good as they have been. I think they were five, four, and one coming into the game in their last ten. But um, you know, they show that they're certainly a contender as well. And um, it was you know it was nice to see Bruce Cassidy get a nice ovation, and he choked up a little bit. He there did, and, yeah. Uh, and Patrice Bergeron, uh, you know, met up with him after the game, and it was. And it was a really good, uh, and, and I'll tell you, it was just from an entertainment value. I mean, there was one point, it was about, one, about six, six and a half minutes without the whistle. Yeah, it was up, it was and, up down. and down the yeah. ice. It was just really fun to watch. Um, and two really good teams. And I would, and I'll tell you what, I would, wouldn't you love that Stanley Cup? Fight? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that would just be, that would just be so fitting. Um, and then on December 7th, last night, Bruins go to Colorado, and again, even more banged up, but now McKinnon out yeah. uh, as well, and really sort of an AHL kind of lineup in there for Colorado, and it showed. Yeah, Abs came out hard early, but the Bruins played a really good road third uh, road first period. Uh, it was scoreless after one, and then they kind of imposed their will on them. They raised the intensity in the second. They break through on Parsonak's 18th goal and a nice feed from David Krejci, Parsonak is the first Bruin to score 50 in a calendar year since Cam Neely in 1989. Wow. So he scored 50 goals in 2022. 
Wow. Um, so that's an interesting stat. Cam had 52 that year. Um, and then the Coyle Hall Frederick line takes over Hall with two goals, Freddie with one. The line combines for seven points, just a dominant performance by the Bruins and that line. Uh, Taylor Hall, second Bruin to double figures and goals with his 10th and 11th of the season. That one goal where Coyle kind of stole the pass just inside the offensive zone, gave it to, you know, Freddie picked it up back to Coyle and then around the prone defenseman slides it across. Great yeah. play. Yeah, it was. Uh, Linus Allmark with the second shutout of the season. It was a good road win, a depleted uh, Avalanche team. You know, Buddy Jones, he said he's out in Colorado. He said he didn't go to the game, but there were a surprising number of of tickets available for it. And uh, Avalanche are only 13, 10 and one. I think it is. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're so banged up. I mean, Landis hasn't played all year. They're lo- They're missing Manson. You know, they're missing Lekkonen now. Uh, McKinnon's going to be out for four to six weeks. I mean, they're just decimated with injuries. Um, mm-hmm. But I, f- I feel like if, if they get healthy, come and, and are in the playoff picture, come, you know, springtime, they're going to be a real tough out because they still have Makar they'll have McKinnon back. They have Ranton and, you know, they, they have the makings uh, and Landis They have the makings of, you know, a really, really good team. So I think, uh, you know, the West is still going to have to go through the defending cup champs. I think when, uh, when it comes down to it. Yeah, you imagine being a higher seed and you get uh, a recovering uh, avalanche. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe Vegas is the one of the two and, you know, know. the Avs sleep in, uh, you know, Boy. sneak in as like a seven or eight, and that's like oh, a first-round matchup or something. That would be. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Colorado, is, and, of course, they lost Kadri and they lost Barakowski. Right. You know, they, they are a different team anyway, mm-hmm. but then losing Landeskog and, and McKinnon and, and letting in, and, I mean, it's just, it's just too much to handle. I mean, I, Alex Newhook and Rantanen were really the only two, you know, solid NHL offensive players like that, that are in those forward groups right now. So it's a really tough, tough lineup for them. Yeah. Um, all right, Seven Chirps now, and it's sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woodsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week, and you can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com and follow them on social media at Lops Brewing for new beers and events. And, and buy yourself a, a, a nice Lops Brewing long-sleeve hockey uh, shirt. That, that, that'd be that'd be really nice. Uh, all right, trip number one, Trent Frederick has had a resurgence. Six goals, five assists, 11 points in 22 games. Seems to be performing better for Jim Montgomery. He does seem to be performing better for him. And uh, I, I don't know if it's just confidence. Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of that. Uh, I think it's becoming more familiar with his line mates. I think it is Montgomery telling him to use his body to hold on to pucks. I think that's a big emphasis under Montgomery is holding on to pucks down low, uh, especially with big bodies like that and getting pucks to the net, finding soft areas in teams, zones to different places to shoot from being ready to shoot when the pass comes to you instead of, you know, stopping the pass and then doing it's like, he's taken a few one-timers and Montgomery commented after one of the games that I didn't even know he had a one-timer, uh, but he has a pretty good shot. I mean, Coyle said yeah. that he has a really good shot. Um, so maybe it's just, you know, being a little more familiar with the league, um, and, and just kind of maturing a little bit. He had a really good hit on Newhook uh, in that 
uh, Avalanche game in Colorado where he knocked them down behind the net. The score was already 4 nothing, so the game was, wasn't in doubt the Bruins were going to win. Uh, and they challenged him to a fight, and he turned it down, which I don't know if he would have done a year or two ago, I think he would have accepted the fight and maybe the avalanche gained a little momentum from that. But I think it was a mature decision by him to turn that down. There's nothing good can come of that. You're already dominating the other team. You know, you've laid a good hit on the guy. Um, and so I, I feel like he's kind of maybe growing into it, you know, his role uh, on that line and with those guys a little bit more. Yeah. I think he, I think he felt probably like that's how he had to stay in the league before yeah. like he had to be the the instigator the tough guy the protector and he did it in weird times like he, he did just didn't seem to have much of a feel for it right and uh when he played in college i mean he was a power he played a power play i mean he you know he was a better offensive player than he had shown in the in the league but i think that that was part of the thing and then of course the fans thought he was that type of guy and it probably put that kind of pressure on him but of course it helps to have taylor hall on the third line when he's a number one over Overall pick, like he's a pretty good offensive player on the third line, you know, and I think that creates some space for Frederick too, and that's a confidence thing. I think that line was held back some by Craig Smith, especially toward the end of last season. I just think he just wasn't playing well. I think he's lost a step or two. Like I just don't, I don't know. Smitty's just had a hard time, um, and I, it, maybe he's just you know, getting a little older or what have you, but he just doesn't seem to offer as much. So that line fizzled a little bit last year after getting off to a pretty good start. Um, you know, and Coyle and, and Hall have developed some chemistry. You know, I, you know, this is going to lead us to chirp number two. When do we have to say we were wrong about Frederick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's proven us wrong to this point. So, I mean, right. I, I mean, we killed him last year. Both right. of us did right. said he wasn't an NHL player. I mean, we killed him said he wasn't yeah. an yeah. NHL player and, and right. he doesn't deserve to be on the team. There's other guys who should be there yeah. instead. Yeah. And he's, to this point of the season, he's proven both of us wrong. So I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to, if he wants to continue to play like this, I'm willing to admit I was wrong and, and, uh, you know, keep going like this, you know, score 20 goals. Fine with me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we talked about how he wasn't that great of a skater. We talked about, you know, a lot of different, like he, he couldn't do anything with the puck. he, He just seems like a completely different player. And I wonder if, you know, the way Cassidy kind of coaches and, you know, and gets, you know, keeps guys accountable and gets on guys, maybe affected someone like Frederick and he gets, yeah. you know, he starts squeezing the stick, right. and not knowing what his role is. And maybe it's just Montgomery saying, look, Freddie, you're in the lineup for the foreseeable future. Just go ahead and play. And maybe that helps him too. I don't know. I yeah. Mean, just, I, I, but he I, looks like a completely different player. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a little bit of the coaching style probably does, does matter here. And the fact that Montgomery has, you know, really emphasized taking care of pucks down low, you know, banging guys, being, being a hitter, being a hunter, uh, and then getting to the dirty areas. And I think, and I've even heard that he's, um, he's given them areas where he wants, you know, instead of having the puck go low to high, getting the puck on net or shooting from shooting from certain areas. So he's kind of given them more of a blueprint of like, this is where if you're in these areas, get the puck to the net. If you're down here, hold on to it, you know, cycle it down low, take care of it. Uh, So I feel like maybe that's allowed him to play a little bit faster, a little bit freer. Um, And like you said, I think the coaching style of Montgomery just kind of, 
lends itself better to to Frederick's game uh, and him being able to uh, produce a little bit more. And and Hall certainly certainly helps. I mean, having a, a play driver like him on the third line where you're getting a worse defensive matchup. I mean, he, right. Taylor Hall right now is uncoverable one-on-one. Like, he's just walking yes. through people all over yeah. the ice one-on-one. Yeah. And, yeah. and it doesn't even look like he's skating that fast or trying that hard. He just has like, <laughs> these low, powerful strides, and it's just like yeah. two strides, and he's by you, just like a little stick handle, and he's gone. And mm-hmm. being able to, you know, get zone entries by, by Hall adds to, you know, the offensive prop, uh, prospects for the line. So uh, mm-hmm. I think he, him being able to get the pucks and give them down low to guys like Coyle and Frederick that can possess it certainly helps the line. And, and they really clicked uh, as of late. Yeah, it's been, it's, he's been, he's been terrific. That line's a different difference maker. And if they want to go deep into the playoffs and win a potential Stanley cup, that line has to be a game changer. It has to mm-hmm. be a tough matchup. And it's one of the, t- it's gotta be one of the tougher third line matchups in the league right now. I can't, I mean, I would just, I haven't, I don't know all the other third lines in the league, but I can't imagine there's a much better one than that one right now. I mean, it's just really, really good. Uh, chirp two, some, I'm chirp three rather. Some Avs media and fans calling Charlie McAvoy's takedown of Lekkinen, which injured him dirty. Your thoughts on this one? I, I, I think it's a play that happens. I wouldn't say 90% of the time down low, um, but if somebody's falling onto the goalie or stepping over the goalie, basically he was standing over the goalie, like legs spread, skate one skate on either side of Allmark. Um, that's, that's what's going to happen. Defensemen are going to do that. They're going to grab you and throw you to the ground. Like, it's unfortunate that he got hurt. Is it a dirty play? No, he was grabbing the guy off of the goalie. So uh, all these people calling for McAvoy to get run or somebody to fight him, like nobody fought him. Nobody did anything. So did the no. Avs not think it was dirty? Or and, and it's just the fans and the media out there trying to stir something up? Sure seems that way. Mm. It sure does. I mean, I the way I looked at it was, like you said, he's just trying to put, peel him off him. And then when they went down, it almost seemed as though Charlie said, like, you okay? Or like he... he he kind of, he didn't he wasn't roughing the guy up or anything. He just kind of held held him as they went to the ice, and then just kind of you know, kind of just to see if he was okay, kind of thing. I didn't think it was anything more than trying to protect your goalie who had already just recently a, a game or two or yeah got prior, fallen on got run over right. by his own defenseman. Yeah, like you try. So I think that's probably in his head too. Like sure. we've got to get guys off the off the goalie. You know we can't lose the, one of the better goalies in the league. So I think that's another thing too. Like so, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was dirty. I thought it was awkward. Yeah, and I thought it was you know being being tough and rugged. Sure, but I, I, I didn't I, think it was dirty by any stretch at all i'd like to see i'd like to see that more from guys uh on the bruins defense around the goalie i feel like they don't do that enough i'm not saying hurt people but i'm saying like grab them and peel them off the the goalie and a lot of times you'll see other teams when they do that not only will they throw the guy to the ground they'll jump on top of them and then like hold his head into the ice or or give him a you know a face wash or something so he didn't even do that so i feel like he was just trying to get him off the goalie and it just turned into an unfortunate uh, you know situation yeah Yeah. i think i think the league has something to do with that i think think officials will call more than they used to in front of the net especially after the whistle and i think that 
you know, maybe Cassie had a, something with that too. Cause I don't think Cassie loved to take those penalties, those retaliation things or those protective penalties. So, you know, maybe that's kind of it too, but I, I'd like to see around the league. I don't think it happens as much anymore. I don't think it's exclusive to the Bruins, but, um, but I'd like to see them do it more too. Um, you know, take, even take a penalty. If a guy's taking some liberties in front of the net, like just maybe even take a penalty just to set the stage and say, we're not going to take that stuff from you. Um, all right. Uh, number four, Anton Strawman sent through waivers, not really playing in Providence. Did this turn out to be a, a waste of a contract? Yeah, I mean, in, in retrospect, it is. Um, right. You know, I think some guys came back before the Bruins thought they would. So, um, you know, you you didn't need the depth maybe that you thought you did. Um, and they, they, they just didn't have any real injuries knock on wood there um of any of the other guys that were in the lineup you know sometimes that happens and then you're you know you're short a guy and you're in a tough spot uh he was fine he was you know he 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 wasn't anything to write home about but he was fine and, and you know Zaboro's been fine so I, you know Zaboro will probably be the guy going forward strong <coughs> excuse me Strawman's too um too old, I think, and and at this point of his career, played so many games that he doesn't want to report to Providence. So um, he's not going to play. Either they'll trade him somewhere else, and maybe he'll get some time, or he'll probably retire. One of the two, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was with you on this. I thought I thought that it was the right move at the time because you just needed some depth there. You didn't have a lot beyond Zaboral. You know, then you're into like Jack Ashan and another guy. Like you just don't have a lot there. So, and he looked pretty good in preseason. Of course, it's you know preseason or it's beginning of the season. I think he really struggled because of the time off. I just think he. It's hard for a 36 year old guy to sit for three or four games and then go play pro hockey. Yeah. The 18 minutes of ice time. You know what I mean? It's just like I think you're asking a lot of the guy to not because he played 21 minutes a game in Arizona like every night. So if you if you scratch him two or three nights, two or three games in a row, and then he goes out and tries to play, I think that was part of the issue. Like, I think he's a decent player. I mean, he's shown it in the past and he showed in the preseason or or whatever to get enough to get the contract. I think it was the right move. It's in, in, like you said, in retrospect, yeah, you'd like to not have that contract, I guess now, but I don't think you had much of a choice. Like I thought it was the right move then that just kind of didn't work out. I don't think we have to kill the move. No, because I think it's, I think it was the right move at the time and you had to do it to save yourself from a potential disaster. Yeah. I mean, you had, uh, you didn't have much right shot depth there because McAvoy was down. So it was really, you know, Carlo Clifton and Strawman. And then you have a guy playing his offside. Uh, right. so, you know, I, I felt like at the time that was, you know, kind of a no brainer. You bring the guy in for depth. He's a good NHL guy, played a lot of games, played in the playoffs, played deep into the playoffs. Um, you know, and you ended up getting way, way more out of Connor Clifton than you thought you would. So he ate up a lot of the minutes there and he was, you know, going into the season, more of a fringe guy where the way he's been playing so far this season, he's more of a top four guy. So, right. Um, you know, you, you weren't going to take Clifton out of the lineup, whereas, you know, earlier in the season um, or going into the season, you thought, oh, maybe Clifton will bounce in and out. Strawman will maybe get some time. But that never really materialized because Clifton was playing so well from the very beginning. Yeah, and I, and I agree. And, and I think now, you know, those defensemen coming back sooner was definitely advantageous. And I just think that now Strawman 
I mean, there's really no no room for him, but you never know. There could be a there could be an injury here or something soon. And if there is, then you have I guess you have him lingering around, and eventually they'll have to do something with him. But uh, but I think it really hurt for him to sit so much. Uh, Sharp five. The bees are mentioned as a possible trade destination for Vancouver's Brock Besser. Would you do it? I depending on what the um what the cost was, I would consider it. I would honestly probably rather get a guy like Bo Horvat, who is a center, who mm-hmm. you could uh possibly potentially plug in uh next year going forward if if one of or both of Krejci and Bergeron decide to retire. Um then you have a center who's uh can produce offensively. Uh, so if you're looking to make a trade with Vancouver for someone, I'm trying to get Horvat or JT Miller instead of um, Besser, just because I would rather have a center. Yeah, you know what? It's it's two more years. It's six point six five. A guy who scored four goals so far this year. Um, to me, to me, you're getting more from Jake DeBrusque, their right wing. Like, right. I just I mean, he's, and he's making four million, and he's and he's signed for next year. DeBrusque, and if you sign Pasternak, I just don't think that's where the need is. Right now, I may change my mind if Trent Frederick goes in the tank. You need a third line right wing, but that's still a lot of money for a guy. I mean, I only do that if I don't think I'm getting Pasternak resigned. Like I only think I only explore that if that's the case. I just, it's not. I'm with you on Horvat rather than 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 Besser. Um, now, that's not saying that Besser wouldn't come here and playing with better players produce more. I think he would. I think he would. I think he would be energized to come to a team uh, that's like the Bruins and and in this culture uh, with this group. I think he would. I think he would succeed um, pretty well. Pretty pretty. I mean, he's he's a proven goal scorer in the league. So I think he would come here and 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 do really well. Um, You know, and that's probably. You know, I would say that he would be your third line right wing. So you're talking about a third line of Hall. Uh, Coil and Besser, and, Besser. and, and yeah, moving Freddie down to the to the fourth line with Felino and Nosek, um, you know, pretty good, really good, yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, pretty so, good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I would do it if the price is right, but you know, they'd probably be looking for somebody off of your um, NHL roster, and I don't know if the Bruins really want to do that at this point in time. No, I don't think so. And I, um, with, with uh, it, of course, it would it would add to your collection of 2015 draft picks. But um, you know, I, I just uh, I, I don't know. I, I'd rather have a center that you can buy into a little bit more because right now you have Frederick, and then you have Craig Smith as insurance there. So I I don't know if I just don't know if that's the need. And we can get into you know maybe next episode on do you really need to make a move with this team? Um, because that's, that's going to be the rub. Like how like, yeah, especially with that cap situation mm-hmm. and with Pasternak status up in the air, and with Zaka status up in the air, and with Krejci and Bergeron potentially next year. I mean, what do you do with this team? Is this team, does this team need, is it, is all they need is health. You know what I mean? Is is and they can and they can go ahead and win it. I mean, do they really need? Is there really a that much of a weakness to make a trade and to add a piece? I'm not so sure. You know, so that's that's what you have to think of as well because it's, this team is much better than people even thought right now. Um, all right, chirp number six. The shootout needs to go. Okay, here's my idea. 
the shootout, I can't, I, I'm getting to the point now where I can't stand it. And I don't think it's as exciting as people lead it to be. And, and the reason why it isn't is because there's literally 78% failure <laughs> in the friggin' thing. Like it's not, if it was soccer where, you know, 78% of it go in, then yeah, dazzling moves and put it in the goal. But it's a lot of shoot it into the pads or miss the net. That's not exciting to me. No. I don't think this is nearly as exciting as people lead it to be. A penalty shot in the thick of the game, like let's go to the dot and you go and try to score, that's more exciting than sizing up the shootout oh, yeah. guy after guy after yeah. guy. I just don't love it. So here's my idea. Okay. So I say let's go. Five, because I know you can't extend the 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 league doesn't want to extend regular season games more from a time perspective because of networks and yeah and buildings and all that stuff. So I say five minute overtime, and then go to each team has a five on three power play, and you incorporate that into okay. Now you're going to score the five on three goal. Can you score the goal? If you score the goal, great. Then the next team gets to match it. If you don't, next team gets to go ahead and score the goal. After that, then I don't know. You know, throw sticks in the center of the ice. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you just keep giving teams five on three power plays. It's like yeah. college football. You know, yeah. you you give one a power play. If they score, the other team gets the match. If they don't yeah. score, the game's over. And then yeah. if they do score, the other team gets a five on three power play again. I mean, you could do that. I, I, I like that because it's more of a hockey play. It's more of hockey play. Yeah. Rather than just some guy going down and trying to score against the goalie. It's not, I just don't, I don't think like, and I, and I, and I mean, it led, to, it led me to, to think of this with this loss by the Bruins. Like, how do you lose your home streak? Because, you know, some guy scoring your goalie for, you know, the fourth guy scoring your goalie. Like that's such a terrible way to lose that streak. It is. It is a terrible way to, to lose it. And, and if I'm being honest and what, what I, I mean, they will never do it, but they should just go back to ties. I mean, they should. Yeah. They should yeah. play the five on five overtime. And if, it, right. and, or the, th sorry, three or, on three overtime. Right. If no one scores, the game ends. It's right. over. Or, or go, th or go three on three for 10 minutes. And if it ends, it ends. Like add add five more minutes onto the three on three. Sure. And then, and then maybe you get some more goals past the five minute mark. You may because you might because it's three on three. Yeah, people will be so tired. Yeah. So because right now you go three on three for five minutes and then you go shootout, which takes God Christ, it could take another 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So why don't you just go ten minutes of three on three and it's a tie? I'm with you. Like and here's the other thing, don't give the point till the thing's over. Like, don't give the point when regulation ends. I well, I, I've always agree. I've always agreed with like that. that. I've always yeah. agreed I with mean, that. Let's wait till the end of the game, and then you can get your point. Like, I don't don't give the point, and then go for the extra point. Screw that. You get zero until there's a verdict. Yeah, and that's 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 what I say, and I I think that should I think that should happen. Um, so I, so that's why I, I just want more hockey in the decision, unless you know. World Cup soccer. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. I, I'm, I've never bet. I mean, you see the occasional shootout move, and you go, "Wow, that was awesome." But I mean, that's very rare. So I, I mean, rare. So I don't, I don't really want to see that all the time. And and yeah. I'm with you. I would, I would eliminate the shootout. They never will. I mean, it's, no, it's here to stay. Um, but that's why playoff hockey is so much better than regular season right. hockey is because right. the the game just goes until someone wins, and it's fantastic. Right. 
Right. And it's sudden death. And it's, yeah, I love it. Um, all right. Here's trip seven. What do you do to improve this Bruins team? I mean, we just talked about it a couple minutes ago. Do you really need to make a move? I don't know if you do. Uh, if, if I'm the general manager of the team, I'm and, and even though we just talked about Antron Strom and being a right shot D, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting a right shot D that can actually play, uh, as a depth piece. Um, yeah. because you know, the Bruins, Brandon Kylo, especially tends to get banged up if not going into, you know, right before the playoffs, right. like yeah. he always gets hurt like two or three games mm-hmm. before the playoffs start. And, uh, so I'm, I want some right shot defensive depth because right now you have McAvoy, you have Kylo and you have Clifton. After that, you don't really have anything on that side. The other side, you have much more depth, uh, with guys like, you know, you have the Lindholm, then you have Forbort, you have Grizzlick, you have, um, Zaboral, you have Riley. So like you have, you have much more depth on that side. So I'm going right shot D and then I'm, I'm picking up another center, preferably someone who can score a little bit. Um, uh, and, and maybe that's a bigger body that could play, you know, in the, on the fourth line, maybe a center wing guy, uh, swing guy who could play a little bit around the lineup, uh, a little bit of a bigger body, uh, that mm-hmm. could fill that Greer, uh, Craig Smith role on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, all, that's I, all though. For me, I don't think yeah. you need anything else. Honestly, I, I, I only make a move if there's some term and would help you next year as you start to churn things over. So if I can get like a young, youngish center, you know, that maybe it's not quite arrived in the, in the league or it's, you know, something to that effect, like a youngish guy center that, or youngish right D or something like that, that I can have with some term and rid myself of either the Riley or, you know, Craig Smith or, you know, some of the extra money out there. I, I only do that type of thing. I, I really don't think, look, this team, <laughs> this is my love. You know, the Bruins fans just don't, just can't believe that they're the best team in the league. Like they are the most, they probably right now are the best and most talented team in the league right now. And I don't, it, it's they're like really talented and really good. And I think that people are saying, okay, well wait till they play Colorado and Vegas, wait till they play these really elite teams. Well, guess what? They're the elite team. Mm-hmm. Like they are the elite team. So that's what Vegas should be saying when they come into Vegas on the 11th, like here come the Bruins. Here's a good, you know, measuring stick for us. Can we beat the Bruins twice in a week? Here the here come the Bruins, the elite team in the league. But it almost seems as though there's oh, you know, boy, the Devils are pretty good. Boy, the Vegas is pretty good. Boy, Colorado's still a full strength is good, you know. Well, the Bruins are really good. And I think that that's, you know, they I don't think they really need much more than they have right now because they're really, really talented. I mean, they are. And it's it's hard to say. It's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. But they are. They are. I mean, I th- you could make a case. I mean, you know, we will have maybe next week we'll bring it. We'll break it down like the 2011 team and this team, like which you know 2011 is probably arguably the best team they had, and either 11 or 13 is the best team they had, mm-hmm. you know, in the last 30 years mm-hmm. at least. So <clears throat> you know, we have to break it down. Like, okay, let's go line for line, guy for guy. Sure. And see who's see who's the best team because this could be the best team they've had since the seventies. 
could be. Like, it, why could it be? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> people people argue because of Bork and and Neely and some of those guys, but it's you know they the Bruins <laughs> have some of those guys. I mean, maybe not right. physic physically in stature to or with the credentials of of a Bork and a Neely, who are both right. Hall of Famers and and two of the best to ever play their positions, but they have guys that fill similar roles that produce. Mm. You know, you have a Charlie McAvoy who was a top, you know, four Norris guy last year who's, you know, similar in stature to Bork. I'm not saying he's Bork. Okay, stop. But similar in stature, plays a lot of minutes, shuts things down defensively, good offensively, can skate. Mm -hmm. Similar guy. And then, and then, you know, you don't have a Cam Neely power forward type, but you have a David Pasternak who, like you said, scored 50 goals in a calendar year. Neely had 52. I mean, there's the same type of production, maybe a different style of player, but then the Mm -hmm. Bruins also have Martian and Bergeron and Hall and, you know, Zaka and Coyle. All those guys are Hall of Famers. Yeah. Yeah. Felino, Lindholm. You know, yeah. you can go down the list, and they're getting great, great goaltending from Allmark and Swayman. So, yeah, you can make the case that this is one of the one of the best teams that the the Bruins have had in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, this, this, I'm gonna we're looking at it next week. Okay, and I'm I'm telling you right now, this might be the best team. I was born six months after Orr in seventy the seventy two uh, win, mm-hmm. uh, seventy two Stanley Cup team. So. I was born six months after that. This could be the best team in my lifetime. Could be. Yeah. I mean, it could be. Yeah. I, I, think, think, I, think, I mean, yeah. the 79 team people talk about, you know, the, the too many men on the ice, you know, there's you know, the 88 team, the 90 team, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, 2011, 2013, but Jesus, like even with a Bork and a Neely, who else did you have on those? I mean, you were always dying for one or two more pieces that got you over the hump and you never had it. No. Like here, you you are legitimately saying you may not need the extra piece. When is the last time we said that? Right. I mean, they had Rich Peverly and and Chris Kelly and and, and guys that they needed to add, Mark Recchi, they needed to add to that team yeah. to get there. This team may not need a guy. No. Like so that not. tells me. It's pretty friggin' good. Yeah, you know what I mean, it really so, is. I'm, 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 uh, we're gonna, we're gonna break that down. It really we're is. Break it on down. Maybe we'll get, maybe we'll try like hell to get a former Bruin on and break that, break that thing down. Sounds good um, to me. All right, so that's, uh, so that's that. All right, time for beauties and benders, and we start with the beauties. And beauty number three, Buffalo Sabers, Tage Thompson. Gonna love you, eh? They're gonna be loving you from dawn until dusk. This guy, Tage Thompson, may be one of the most underrated players in the league, or the most underrated player in the league. 38 goals last year. He had five goals in a 9-4 to four win over Columbus in a game that where Columbus legitimately quit. They did. And, and it was 6 nothing after one. It was 9-2 to two after two. And Tage had five goals. He has 15. He has 21 goals. Yeah. 19 assists. 40 points on the year. He's big. He's fast. He can score goals. He is a really good player. He he might have the best hands I've ever seen for a guy. His He's legitimately 6'7". So on skates, yes. he's like Zidane Chara. I mean, he's yeah. huge. And yeah. he has fantastic hands 
fantastic oh, yeah. hands for a guy his yeah. size. And uh, he uses his reach, and he's just real shifty. He can skate well. Um, you know, Buffalo got him at, at kind of a steal. I think it's like eight at eight or something like that, yeah. maybe. Eight, it's eight not, and a half yeah, for like eight years, something top. like that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that could be a real steal for them. And he's going to be uh, a problem and a thorn in the Bruins side for a long <laughs> time, gonna, I think. He is going to be <laughs> a problem. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he, he is, like you said, enormous yeah and and on that really good deal and you know last year he had 38 gold i mean last last year he really burst onto the scene mm-hmm. and uh yeah he's at seven year deal for 50 million so he's had less than eight he's at seven wow per year yeah yeah 7.142 per year that is unbelievable i mean unbelievable i mean that is a that is a tremendous deal um and one that I think the Bruins should go to David Pasternak with. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like yeah, getting but, uh, Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshand all to sign yeah. six-year deals in the six million range. Yeah, I mean, kind of a God, kind of a I mean, good deal like that. Through twenty nine thirty, uh, he has no movement trade, no trade clauses beginning in twenty four twenty five. Um, I don't know. I mean, I get. I mean, obviously they want to build on him, especially at that price tag. Sure, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, they're not very good. But it starts there with him. I mean, that that deal now is great. I mean, that deal right now is great. Yeah. Four years from now, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like he's seven million a year. It's just insane for that type of production. Uh, all right, beauty number two, the Frederick Hall coil line. Gonna love you, eh? They're gonna be loving you from dawn until dusk. I mean, I mean, totally dominated the Avalanche game in Colorado. Um, just just playing terrific hockey. They're playing well together. Hall has uh, completely accepted his role as a third line left wing there. It has been just fantastic. It's been good for Coyle uh, having Hall's speed and skill, and, and Coyle's able to possess it, and he's getting it to Hall in the right spaces. And it's just been a really good. And Fredericks is able to fit in, you know, and and just be there and have open space. Tons of open space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a really good uh, line for them, and hope it hope it continues. They've been really, really good. They have been, and, um, and it started with Coil for. I mean, sorry, started with Hall for who's been good for for a little bit, and it seemed to have rubbed off on the other guys. It got Frederick going a little bit, and and Coils mm-hmm. uh, certainly picked it up also. But yeah, they've been they've been real good for uh, for a little bit here. So hopefully no, that continues. No yeah, and then beauty number one, Jake DeBrusque. Gonna love you, eh? They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. Jake with his 100th goal of his career. And, um, you know, he's still been very good for them and using his speed. And uh, he's been great on that top line. We mentioned the record they've had since he moved to the top line. It was one of the great, I'll tell you what, you look back and Don Sweeney and, and even Cassidy to a point, but they all handled it really well. They didn't just sell them for, you know, for you know pennies on the dollar i mean they they kept them you know they tried to make it work and jake produced even when at the end of the year when cassie was there and then now since cassie is gone debrusque is just playing freely he's playing really good hockey he's back to what we fell in love with when he first entered the league uh with this type of tenacity and getting to the dirty areas and his skating ability and his shot and uh he's just been really really good so good for jake for 100 100 goals yeah, That's absolutely. Uh, congrats to Jake on 100 goals. And, and uh, like Jake said uh, after the game, uh, here's to 100 more.
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, all right, now time for Benders. And the number three bender, A.J. Greer. I'm a bender. Uh, you know, poor A.J. I don't think he's been terrible, but uh, zero, two, and 2 in those last 15 games, finally uh, replaced by Craig Smith last night. Uh, Greer, just the production's not there. I think he's, like I said, I think he's been bad, but uh, the production's really fallen off, and this is kind of his story and his career, really, is that you see some signs, and then it just doesn't, it just doesn't continue, and this is something of a trend for Greer. Yeah, the, it's just the consistency is not there all the time. Like some nights you notice him, he's hitting, he's flying around, and then other nights you don't notice him. So um, that's probably why he's been in and out of the lineup, I would guess. Um, but, uh, he, you know, if he wants to stay uh, and, and be a permanent member of an NHL team in, and, and stay in the lineup regularly, he, he just needs to play more consistently. He just needs to – he doesn't necessarily need to produce, but he's got he's to gotta hit, he's got to make himself known out there. He's, you, you have to notice him uh, if he's not going to be putting up points. You have to notice him in other ways on the score sheet. So, um, and, and he just – it's been, you know, kind of an up-and-down year for him. Yeah, it it is, and and with someone like Nosik, who's, you know, I, and I, it, here's the thing about Nosik, like I, I still don't love the guy. Like I, people tend to really like him and think he's doing really well, but boy, there's some, there's been some really suspect clearing attempts and penalty kills lately, and he's back to like not really doing much. Doesn't do much offensively. But I don't think Greer gives you much more than that anyway. So no sex, the more reliable veteran, I guess. Well, and, and he's, a center. Foligno, he's a and center. He's a center. And you have Foligno, um, you know, who's, you know, who's been very, very good. So it's really hard. It's going to be hard for, if Freddie's playing as well as he is, it's going to be hard for Greer to get in there. You know, so it's, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, no sex um, not coming out because he's too good on face-offs too. He, he's, right, he's, yeah, he's a good face-off he's a good face -off guy and he kills penalties, which Greer doesn't do. So, I mean, right. uh, yeah. he's not coming out of the lineup. It's, it's really between Greer and Smith right now. And if both of them struggle, you could see a guy like McLaughlin get a little time. Uh, yeah. with the big club. Yeah, you absolutely could. Or they could go to like a Latieria, someone yeah. who's been really good in Providence, yeah. like a more, an older guy, but a yeah. guy who can, you know, he can play. Mm -hmm. um, all right, uh, Bender, number two, the Vancouver Canucks. I'm a Bender. Uh, they've, been a, they've been bending all, all year long, but in this case, they hurt Brock Besser, whose father died of cancer by trying to scratch him on Hockey Fights Cancer Night, if you can believe it. Unbelievable. Things changed on that front due to Dakota Joshua suffering a last-minute injury, so the damage can't be repaired. So Brock gets into the lineup, but only after being scratched. Wow, what a classless move. This yeah, is. I mean, he was originally going to be scratched, and then a guy got hurt, like, in warm-ups or something, and, and then they end up putting him in. But uh, on Hockey Fights Cancer Night, uh, the guy's been a model citizen for your team. He's produced for your team. Uh, your team stinks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that's how you treat a guy who's who's one of the cornerstone players of, of that franchise. Uh, just like you said, classless. And, and uh, you know, uh, he's looking for a trade. I guess they want him out. So uh, I'm assuming that'll happen sometime soon here. But uh, I don't know if there's really no way to come back from that if you're Vancouver. Like, you can't say... Oh, you know, sorry. You know, we didn't know your dad died. Like you did know his dad died, and you tried to scratch you him, did. anyways. I, if, if I know his dad died, 
right. Right. If we know uh, right. on the other side of the right. of the other side right. of the continent, then right. you should know probably living right. in the same town as him. <laughs> right. I mean, look, look, I just here again, you're sitting in the meeting for the game. You're like, OK, we're going to we're going to scratch breast tonight. And no one says, hey, it's hockey fights. Cancer tonight. Yeah. His dad passed away from cancer. There's not a, I think that's there's, a good move. Yeah. There's not like an you know? assistant GM or like a. Like a yeah. training staff guy or <laughs> a, a public relations guy that's like walking by the walking by the door of the meeting. Somebody <laughs> in there just in there filling up their coffee cup or something. And it was like, oh wait, by the way, uh, didn't his dad die of cancer? Should we be? We shouldn't be scratching him tonight. I don't think. It's like it's like something out of like a Ted Lasso scene with like the yeah. equipment guy mumble something under his breath, like you asshole. Yeah. You can't scratch him. You can't like, scratch just... about hockey fights, kids tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what are oh, you God, doing? Just, what are you? I mean, what are you doing? Uh, I don't, yeah. don't care if you don't like the guy. I don't care if you want to trade the guy. Yeah. Just don't scratch him that night. Scratch him the next night. Right. Scratch him the next ten nights. I don't yeah. care. But that night, I mean, in Brock Bresser's dad, that that was like, that was all over social media. That yeah, it was, was. That was a big deal. Like, it that was. was a big deal. Yeah, it was. Like, everybody knows. Like, oh, my God. It's just terrible. Insufferable. Just terrible. Stop it. Yeah. Um, all right. And then Bender number one, uh, the dink of all dinks, Jordan Bennington. I'm a Bender. Yeah, this guy is a douche canoe that even his douche canoe coach yeah. thinks is a douche canoe. Yeah. Yeah. That's Craig Berube, who we think is probably one one notch down from Jordan Bennington. It doesn't like his antics. That tells you something. It does. It certainly that does. Tells you something. Yeah. I mean, he's just he's such a prick about everything. Like you know, the other night, you know, a guy his his defenseman rounds the net. A guy chasing him on the forecheck, rounds the net, just sticks out his glove hand, punches a guy right in the face, you know, <laughs> goes down. And then, and then he's like, you know, looking around like, what? I didn't do anything, you know. And then, like, for TV uh, timeouts, they, they goalies usually skate over to the bench. He skates over to the bench, gives a guy a shoulder or something like, dude, you fucking stink. <laughs> Why do you yeah. think you're, like, better than people and you're, like, bumping people? Like, yeah. you are not good at all. And, no, and, at all. and so not enough bad things can happen to him as far as I'm concerned. Like I, I hope right. he has like an 840 save percentage and has to go down and play against our, our, uh, our good buddy Terrence at, in the main Mariners yeah. in the ECHL. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. so, so, uh, yeah, I'd like to see Bennington get a little comeuppance here and, and maybe benched or sent down to the minors or, or released, uh, or something else. Cause he's just, uh, I, I'm so sick of him and, and all his, uh, crap. That goes along yeah. with it. I mean, he he he's just he's he, sometimes when you know you're not that good and you know that just on your on your own merit as a player, you probably won't survive because you you stink a little and people are starting to catch on. Um, I think it's I think it's uh, you know I think it's just one of those things where he needs to do something. He wants to be edgy. He wants to do something that kind of keeps him in the league or keeps him in the news. Or what have you? It's the wrong thing to do. His his goals against right now is three four two, and his save percentage is eight eight nine. He's tied for forty fifth in save percentage. He's forty sixth in goals against. I mean, he's tied for twelfth. He's nine and eleven. Somehow they won nine games with him in there. You know, even though he's his sieve. But uh, Jordan Bennington is the number one bender this week, and and rightfully so. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Bruins Bender's power rankings time. 
And uh, coming in at number seven, brand new entry, the Pittsburgh Penguins have won three in a row. Uh, and they will face the Boston Bruins on January 2nd, the Winter Classic. They the certainly will. Yep. Yep. Um, number six, Winnipeg Jets are brand new. First in the Central, kind of a surprising team. Uh, they've won two in a row. Number five, Carolina jumps into the uh, Bruins Benders Power Rankings at 14, 6, and 6. Still a very good club. Uh, fourth is Toronto. They stay there. At, they've won four in a row. Vegas stays uh, at three. They are first in the Pacific. The Devils stay at two. They're first in the Metro. They've won two in a row. And your Boston Bruins are number one, again, 21, 3, and 1 on the season. I mean, that's just, like you said, people are like, I can't believe this team's that good. It's still kind of a shock to me. Like, I still can't believe it. I'm like, wow, they're playing so good right now. (laughs) They're so good. And and it doesn't, it doesn't really appear like they have a weakness, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, I just, it's, it still is. Uh, and it's so fun to watch too. It's so entertaining. It's such good hockey, entertaining hockey. Yeah. And you know what? They're, they're one of five teams in the history of the league to win 21 of the first 25 games of the season. Yeah. And uh, the Blackhawks in 12-13 were one of them. The 05-06 Senators, I think it was. Uh, the 08-09 Sharks. The 29-30 Bruins. Um, and then now these uh, these Boston Bruins. So that's pretty impressive. It, it really is. really is. Yeah, it really is. So now we're going to go to the Bruins-Benders Power Less Rankings. Coming in at number 30 is the Columbus Blue Jackets with 18 points, who did lose to Buffalo the other night, 9-4. to four. Tage Thompson had five goals and six points. And they have given up. They are in a full-on tank for uh, Connor Bedard. But you'll be happy to know that Johnny Hockey did go there to win games. He did. <laughs> And they are not winning games. <laughs> they are not they winning no any games. Desire to win games. They're not winning any games at no all. One desire. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, sad for him and sad mm-hmm. for the city of Columbus. Uh, coming in at number thirty-one is the Arizona Coyotes. They also have eighteen points. They've lost six in a row, and they'll mm-hmm. get the Bruins coming up very shortly here in that uh, you know miniature arena that they have uh, on the campus yeah. of Arizona State. Yeah, so sure. yeah, yeah, uh, that'll be fun. Yeah, what you pay for there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Five dollar margaritas and free yeah. tickets. I wonder if they Absolutely. give out like like a happy hour. It was like yeah. buy buy a drink, get a uh, coyotes ticket for free, something one yeah. of those things. I think you know what's a, you know what's a better buy? Flying from Arizona to the main Mariners and spending eighteen dollars on a ticket to see the Mariners. I would I would rather do that. Like if and then to go to Arizona State University and watch that. Yeah, it's 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 not good. It's a not a good scene there, and uh, you know the goalie is actually playing pretty well uh, under the circumstances. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully the Bruins will be able to uh, score some goals on yeah. him. Uh, yeah. And coming in uh, very very last, dead last is uh, <laughs> your Montreal Canadiens. They are thirteen, eleven, and two, um, but they are sixth in Atlantic, and they still suck. They suck. They suck. Uh, they are not far off from Colorado. It's 13, 10, and 1, but they still suck. Yeah. Pond water. And uh, I don't know when the uh, next Montreal Bruins game is, but uh, I'm sure it'll be the Bruins victory. Um, all right. Prospect spotlight. Brett Harrison just on a heater right now. He has uh, 15 goals on the season. He had a hat trick the other night, the day after I wrote an article on him about being on a heater. And uh, he's been 
really good. There's been, you know, there's been talk about him and his desire night for night to play, you know, that, you know, playing hard all the time, the consistency like you talk about. Uh, but it seems as though this year for Oshawa, uh, it's his third season, I think, with Oshawa uh, in the OHL. And he's one of the real dynamic, you know, offensive players. And his shot is like elite. It is elite. And you need to have an elite skill um, right. to get into the NHL. And if he has an elite shot, that'll that'll get him NHL games. He'll he'll get into the NHL and be able to stay. Uh, a perfect example of that is Frank Vitrano, who yes, who every, who everybody yeah. who everybody says, oh, it's just Frank Vitrano. He's yeah. bounced around a little bit, but he's had some success uh, at some places, Florida, and mm-hmm. and I think with Pittsburgh now. I think. Yeah. Is uh, it, with it was with the Rangers last year. Or with the Rangers last year, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I I don't know where I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure where he is oh, now. He's with the Ducks now. With the Ducks now. So yeah. Uh, yeah, he's bounced around a little bit, but but he's still playing in the NHL because he has a, an elite shot. Sure. So, uh, you know, if, if Harrison can get up here and kind of um, have some consistency and improve in some other areas, uh, that shot will keep him around for a while. So uh, it'll, it will be uh, nice to see him uh, get some time with the Bruins in the future. I'm going to ask you this question. How many goals do you think Frank Vitrano has scored in his career in the NHL? Uh, I bet it's higher than I think it is. I'm going to say 47. 105. Wow. He has more goals than Jake DeBrusque. He's played he's played 60 more games. Okay. Uh but he has 105 goals and 75 assists for 180 points in 4 420 games. This year he's 4 6 and 10 in 27 games. But yeah, he's 28 years old. I didn't realize he's that I guess he is that old now. Yeah, see that's not that but, bad though. 4 6 t- like 10 points in 20 whatever yeah. like that's not bad. Yeah, as a as a bottom six guy. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Perfectly yeah. fine. Perfectly, yeah, perfectly fine. fine. Yeah, perfectly fine. Yeah, so he has 105. He has more goals than Jake DeBrusk. Wow. In his career. I didn't realize that. Oh. Um, but yeah, so Brett Harrison is a guy as a center, 6'3". You know, hopefully yeah. he continues to maybe maybe next year he gets into, you know, maybe a, a tryout, maybe gets into Providence and maybe makes the next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully he'll continue to progress because um, he'll need some centers for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, week ahead for the Bruins on December 9th at Arizona. On December 11th, the rematch at Vegas with the Golden Knights, and then on December 13th at back at home against the New York Islanders who have been pretty good this season as well. Uh, go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. Follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Download the Inside the Rink app. And you can subscribe to alerts to get alerts from your favorite teams on Inside the Rink. We are now on TikTok at Bruins Benders Podcast. You can see the Terrence Wallen uh, interview on TikTok and on YouTube. Please rate and review on Apple and subscribe and follow on the plug podcast platforms. And thanks again to Terrence Wallen, head coach of the Mar- Maine Mariners, for joining us. We will see everybody again next week. Have a great week, everybody. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Butch is back, baby.